Welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantin. And this week uh, we're talking about the Juneteenth celebration. And if you don't know what that is, we're going to fill you in. And as always, we are going to bring in scripture as part of this. But today I want to welcome our guests to the show, DeAndre Ash. Reverend DeAndre Ash has been on our show before, back when we were talking about all the predicaments related to reopening our churches following COVID. And it's good to, to see you again and to hear your voice, DeAndre. How are you doing and how are your churches? And if you would, if you would mind uh, just giving us a little bit of uh, uh, who you are, where you're serving, that kind of thing. Hey, uh, it's good to be with you, and thank you for accepting my invitation to have me on the show. <laughs> I'm DeAndre, DeAndre Ash. Um, <clears throat> I serve um, Snow Hill and Iola United Methodist Churches, uh, both in, in Franklin, North Carolina. Um, I also uh, serve as the communications coordinator um, for the Smoky Mountain District. Been doing that for about, I don't know, about a year and a half now. Uh, started off at Snow Hill in uh, as interim in 2019, um, then you know was eventually appointed, and you know here I am and enjoying myself doing doing the work. And as far as doing the communication stuff for the Smoky Mountain District, and for listeners who might not know, uh, the the Methodist Church uh, is divided up into conferences. We're in the Western North Carolina Conference, and the Western North Carolina Conference is divided up into districts. And the Smoky Mountain District is roughly everything west of Asheville to the borders of Tennessee and Georgia. And in your role as communications for the Smoky Mountain District, you've been doing some work uh, all over the district, including planning this celebration here at Lake Junaluska. Could you tell us, um, yeah, tell us a, a little bit about how that developed and what your, what your hopes are for it? Yeah, it started off as um, an, an invitation from from Ken over at Lake J um, for the district to um, facilitate a Black Lives Matter worship service in in uh, in December. And so <clears throat> a few clergy and lay people were on a call with uh, uh, with Linda, the district superintendent. I'm just discussing how how this thing could be and what it what it should be. And the folks on the call just determined that rather than having a Black Lives Matter service, that it should be more, that we should involve more people than, you know, just us handful of folks on the call. Perhaps there were folks in the community who were already doing the work that we could connect to, support what they're doing and um, hear their voice and have them as collaborators I'm in this project as well. And that grew from having a Black Lives Matter service um, to having a Juneteenth celebration on Saturday, June 19th at, uh, at, at Lake Junaluska. Just kind of the group talking together and just determining um, what, what, what we could do that would have the most lasting impact. And hopefully this is the first, this is the first of many. I think it was wise to make it Juneteenth instead of just BLM, because if you just focus on BLM, you're talking about just recent history and current yep. events. Yep. Whereas this brings in history, it informs it, it gives it a more uh, holistic, I guess, um, not atmosphere, but appeal, right. because you are now educating yep. people about things that they did not necessarily live through, but that affect them. I think that's, that was a good move, and I'm glad it went that way. Yeah, me, me, yeah I am too, um, Court, and I was excited that 
we were going to say BL. I mean, I was excited that we were going to say BLM. And I thought that was a big deal. And folks were like, oh, we need to do more. And I thought, you know, no, to lift a banner and, and, and say something is, is a big deal, you know, in, in, in the region. But you're right. It was just wise to, to use, frankly, a different kind of language um, <clears throat> that, you know, I, I think Black Lives Matter is accurate. But we were thinking about the context. We were thinking about what it means to think about the people who we hope to, you know, build relationships with and invite to come. And yeah, you're right. It, it, it was the, the the best course of action, I think. And it's going to be a celebration, right? So <laughs> it's going to be fun. So speaking of history, can you can you give our listeners some history about Juneteenth, why it matters, how it came to be, and why we, we remember it today? Yeah, I am. <clears throat> I learned about Juneteenth um, only about, I guess I, I was I was already an adult when I learned about Juneteenth. I was 20, 21 years old when I learned about it. So it wasn't something that we celebrated in my household or or in my neighborhood, but I've met someone who was from um, the Gulf Coast and they had been celebrating Juneteenth in their family for as long as for as long as she could she could remember. And it's a celebration of the um, emancipation of enslaved folks in Galveston, Texas. Um, they got word that they were free um, from uh, in a in a from the general who was um, who was uh, given the authority to take the word to Galveston, Texas, in June of 1865, and th this was, you know, this was you know years after the a couple of years after the um, Emancipation Proclamation. Um, this was a couple of months after after the Union. I'm sorry, after the uh, Confederacy had surrendered, um, but you know. Um, Texas. <laughs> well, and word traveled slowly back then. Yeah, exactly. And word traveled slowly. And so when, when it finally got to, uh, when, when that word finally got to them in June of uh, 1865, you can, as you can imagine, it was probably a celebratory time. And um, that date just stuck with different communities. And when they moved to different parts of, of the United States, that was an important date for um, that formerly enslaved community. And, you know, the thing that connects all of this to me, or for me, I think, is the, is this concept of good news and spreading good news. And sometimes, you know, we're all reverends, we're all pastors, we, we have churches, we talk about the good news a lot, and sometimes we make it too complicated. Mm -hmm. The good, good news can be different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And for folks who are enslaved in Texas, the good news is you're not enslaved anymore. Right. right. We are free. We are free. Yeah. The good news to people who are watching uh, uh, their their brothers and sisters get shot by police and then seeing no justice. The good news is that Black lives do matter, mm -hmm. you know, and that connects it to today, to to nineteen or to eighteen sixty five, and all the way back to Christ, whose message was freedom. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and and I think that's just a. That's that's a continuing conundrum in our society. What is freedom? Who gets it? Who deserves it? To what extent? And uh, yeah, that, that's an that's an ongoing thing um, in our society. Ongoing conversation. Everybody wants it, and it should be good news that your that's your brother or your sister. Um, the question the question that I have, mm -hmm. when, and we weren't there. All we can do is guess. But mm -hmm. the question that I have when I think about the event that you celebrate, for that one celebrates. Juneteenth is okay free to do what because mm -hmm. if I, I mean it, I certainly can't imagine living in slavery but I can't imagine not knowing what to do now 
So yeah. what, what do you do when your whole life has been one way and they say, yeah. okay, now it's different. Yeah. What, what do you do? I mean, yeah. it's like, I, this is a terrible comparison, but one of the things that I think of is like the first day that I got to into my office to be a pastor for the first time. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, it's Monday. What do I do now? You mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not managing a youth trip here. I'm not, it, rapid, sudden change. Right. It must have been really daunting. Yes, celebrate freedom. But then what do you do? So it's like with all, with freedom, there's always challenges as well. Right. I don't really know where I'm going with this. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been on this incredible emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. of being both elated mm-hmm. and also a little bit terrified. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, you know, I chuckled a little bit when you said your first time, first day in the office, I had that same feeling. Like I took a picture and I'm like, okay, I posted a picture to social media. What now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here. Yeah. The, the, um, Annette Gordon-Reed has, has done some research on, research on it. She's a professor. Um, <clears throat> he's a professor at Harvard. And she said there were some orders that general, that the general carried with him. So it wasn't just emancipation. It was, he's in, in these orders. He said that these newly enslaved folks now have all of the rights, all of the freedoms, all of the liberties as their former slaveholders. So, uh, so, I mean, that probably caused a, you know, um, some anxiety for both the formerly enslaved person um, and the slaveholder. Yeah, what what do you do with that that newfound freedom? I, I according to her research, they they celebrated, they partied, they danced, they sang, and they they were met with backlash because of that. And uh, and so I, I I think that speaks to just the, the human spirit. We know and value and desire freedom, and um, and uh, they they celebrated. There was a long time. Um, I, I think about it like this: um, 1865, um, uh, the uh, Confederacy surrendered. Um, 65 years later, MLK was born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like it's it's recent. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's 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 uh, it's the the celebration is still fresh. Learning what freedom means is still is still fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to exist with um, folks who didn't want and still don't want your freedom, like it's still kind of a it's still kind of a it's a learning thing. <laughs> and I, I think, yeah. Speaking of learning, one of the biggest lessons that I think we can learn from mm-hmm. those who are enslaved and then set free is, and I don't know how we learn this, but I hope we do how do we avoid the temptation mm-hmm. to not make our first move? Okay. I'm free. Let's get revenge. Mm-hmm. Cause as far as I can tell, there wasn't much of that. Yeah. But I think if we fast forward to today, mm-hmm. that's like the biggest temptation. I know that would be the temptation for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do we, how do we avoid this tit for tat? Uh, yeah. You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you now. Yeah. Mentality. Yeah. And, uh, I think that exists in a small sector of folks. And I'm grateful that even the way that I understand freedom, um, the way that I understand not only freedom just kind of naturally, right, but even spiritually, um, is the way um, 
uh, Martin Luther King understood freedom, that my freedom is inextricably tied to yours. And, uh, and I'm grateful for his perspective on loving your enemy, loving your, this is it's gonna sound tough, um, loving your oppressor. That is tough. You get, you get what I'm saying? And so, but that's what, that's what Christianity does. It's not given a pass. Um, it's not, it, that, uh, you know, people like to juxtapose um, MLK and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Malcolm X. There's a difference there. And, I, and, and let me say this, uh, I'm not saying that either is right or wrong. That's not the purpose of my, uh, of, my, of my conversation here, but I'm saying that there's something in Christianity, especially in the way that uh, black folks have the opportunity to receive and experience it um, and live it and process it through black bodies that we go through a place where we have an opportunity to, um, to exhibit what it means um, to not forget, but to forgive. And uh, that's even hard for me to say now, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's the beauty that Christianity can, that the gospel can bring out in humanity. And it's not saying that um, certain things don't have to be done to set things right. But that's the beauty that, you know, I, I see in, uh, you know, in Christianity. To, to be fair, uh, Malcolm X did change his course on that. And, yep. and to be fair to our Islamic I don't know, brothers, sisters, cousins, whatever, um, it was his trip to Mecca, his pilgrimage mm -hmm. to Mecca. Mm -hmm. And he, see, he goes and he sees white Muslims and Arabic mm -hmm. Muslims and black Muslims. Mm -hmm. And they're all getting along and, and he, he realizes that maybe I don't need to be as angry mm -hmm. as I have been. And I have just realized I'm monopolizing the conversation. Peter hasn't spoken in a while and I'm sorry, but DeAndre just brings that out. I mean, none of this is planned. I'm sorry about that. That's no, that's no problem at all. Uh, it, it, you've all got, you both got me thinking. Um, and, and, and that's a good thing. And I don't know if I can bring all of my thoughts to bear here. Um, let me go back a little ways to what we were talking about with celebrating. And because what you said, DeAndre, about when folks heard the news in 1865, they started dancing, they started celebrating. Mm -hmm. And the verse, the scripture verse that came to mind for me was where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me, you know, you said that, you know, folks were kind of upset about the fact that they were celebrating uh, white folks, I guess, or the planters, I guess. Uh, but it reminded me of that Pentecost day that we read about in Acts, where people said, these folks are drunk on new wine. Mm -hmm. But what they were really experiencing was the freedom of the Holy Spirit, the freedom of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in a similar way, uh, it just seems like what this celebration has become is that celebration of, of freedom. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe it's just a taste of, of a freedom that's not been fully realized yet, yeah. because I think we're always striving for something, uh, for, for something that we haven't quite attained yet in terms of freedom um, of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's why we have to keep celebrating. Yeah, but sure. I wonder, you know, speaking of celebrations, what, what we will be participating in on, on Saturday the 19th, Tell me a little bit more about that. What are the components of that celebration? What, uh, what, what balance will there be of worship, celebration, 
learning, you know. Yeah. As a Baptist, I can't come if there's going to be dancing. <laughs> <laughs> or if there's new wine, right, Court? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> well, um, well, at 2 p.m. on June, this is, this is going to be an outside event um, <clears throat> in the Nancy Wilson Wilden Outdoor, Outdoor Gym. And 2 p.m., it's going to be a worship service. And um, uh, Reverend Dr. Stephanie, Stephanie Morehand, um, I just met her a couple of weeks ago. And um, I don't know if she preaches. I mean, she, she can talk. <laughs> and uh, and she, when she talks, it sounds like preaching. And so I'm, I'm excited about um, I'm excited about her being there and uh, and uh, bringing the word. And so we'll worship at 2 p.m. And I'm um, at 3 p.m. There'll be a, a, a celebration, um, <clears throat> music and dancing, um, food trucks, moonwalks. And it's an opportunity, an opportunity to celebrate. Um, to invite people into um, this great cause to celebrate. And so it'll be a celebratory event. And we even hope that um, the worship service is, is educational um, and that, um, that is celebratory. So uh, the other thought I had as, as the both of you were speaking, is it just about uh, kind of a grief that I, that I carry with me? And I think that, that all Christians ought to be uh, actively working through and trying to find ways to work through. And that, and that goes back to what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, uh, which is still true today, that the, the most segregated hour in America is 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And I know from my personal experience of getting to know the Black church tradition, getting to experience uh, worship in the Black church, and hearing the gospel message through the black church that uh, Christ, white Christians or Christians who have not, who have, who have um, not had the opportunity to hear the gospel through the black church uh, ha have severely limited themselves. And so I, I'm really looking forward to Dr. Stephanie Morehand's sermon or, or words, whatever they, whatever form they may be in. Uh, because, uh, because like you said, DeAndre, they're, there is a um, there is a witness that the black uh, in the black experience, and in the experience of those who are descended from uh, formerly enslaved Africans, that that the rest of the church, the the white churches, need to hear. There's a witness there that we are that we are not complete in our faith without hearing. Right. So I really do encourage people of all races to 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 try to make space in your calendar to to attend this event and to hear the, that witness, because there's no replacement for it. And, and I think the, that the the reason for that is it because because it comes through that experience, that experience of oppression, that experience um, that to me is reminiscent of the suffering that that Christ experienced, uh, though he didn't deserve it. Yeah, one of my um, one of my favorite theologians. Some people call him a heretic. <laughs> um, is uh, is uh, James Cone, and he kind of correlates that experience of uh, you know the cross and the lynching tree, and how uh, thinking about the the, the burden um, that uh, that uh, black bodies have had to carry in um, in America, and then kind of process it process it through that way. And there is a particular lens that um, yeah, African American African Americans experience. Um, Christianity, church life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if you want to read more of uh, James Cone's, the 
book he's referring to is called The Cross and the Lynch. Lynch. It is called The Cross and the Lynch. It's fantastic. I was trying to find my copy of it. On the <laughs> why I stood up and you probably just saw yeah. my hip or something. But yeah. anyway, it's, it's <clears throat> interesting read. Well, we um, we always like to include a little bit of the lectionary scripture for the week in our discussions on Pastor Potluck. And th- so this week's no different. We The lectionary, of course, usually has four scriptures. Uh, this week, there's a passage from Mark that's probably familiar to many people, and I want to read it and, and see if there's any way we can we can find some connections here. Uh, I've had a f- I have a few thoughts that I just love to hear uh, your thoughts on these, uh, Reverend DeAndre, and and also Court. And uh, yeah, let me read to you from Mark chapter four, and I'm going to read verse thirty through thirty four. And this is from the Common English Bible. He continued saying, this is Jesus, he continued saying, what is a good image for God's kingdom? What parable can I use to explain it? Consider a mustard seed. When scattered on the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But when it is planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all vegetable plants. It produces such large branches that the birds in the sky are able to nest in its shade. With many such parables, he continued to give them the word as much as they were able to hear. He spoke to them only in parables, then explained everything to his disciples when he was alone with them. And as I read this scripture, as I was preparing for our conversation today, it occurred to me that good news is something that you don't have to um, really struggle to spread, that good news spreads on its own, that Good news is something that people um, people readily repeat and share and and spread. Now, the good news of emancipation took a long time to get to Texas, and I don't know exactly what the limitations were uh, to get that message there, but it's 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 news that was maybe not great news for those who are holding people enslaved, but certainly for those who are being liberated, it was, it was good news and it continued to spread and it was something worth celebrating. And to me, as I think about this parable of the seed of the mustard seed, it seems to me that the planter of the garden might not be extremely excited with a mustard plant taking over his whole or her own her whole garden. I mean, when you're trying to grow vegetables, having one plant turn into a tree uh, that causes a lot of shade, that's not exactly good for the garden. But the fact that this, this becomes a, a large plant that, that offers shade and a place for birds to nest for those who are in flight, to have home, to have refuge, to me points to the fact that God's ways are higher than our ways. Mm. You know, that God's, God is looking out not just for the garden, not just for the planters, but for the birds of the sky, the sparrows, uh, for those who are in flight, and for those who are in need of, need of a home. So I wonder what you all think about that as we talk about and prepare for this Juneteenth celebration. So the smartest guy when it comes to New Testament or really anything that <laughs> I ever met and sadly, he died when he was my age. This is a while back. Um, but his name was Dr. Daniel Eugene Goodman, and he was a professor of mine in seminary. Anyway, he 
had lived in the Southeast long enough to know that, you know, how to contextualize things. And he tells us about this parable of the mustard seed. And, you know, all the people in the class are just, oh, of course, we know since Jesus says that the mustard seeds must be or mustard plants must be wonderful. And, and he stops us and he says, no, if you want to think about what a mustard seed would grow and you think about things that are here, just go out to such and such street and look. It's kudzu. And mm-hmm. most of us are familiar with kudzu. Mm-hmm. It just takes over. It's, mm-hmm. You don't want. OK. <clears throat> yeah. And. And that changed my entire way of thinking about this parable Mm. because especially today, as we're talking about potentially like plantation owners, Mm -hmm. the last thing they want is kudzu. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe this is the perfect thing to associate with Juneteenth because what God or what we see is this scourge, this, this, we can't upset the apple cart. We don't want to change. We don't want to, be financially hurt by some new thing that God is doing. Mm-hmm. God sees as well. I'm giving refuge. I'm giving a place for my creatures to find shelter. I'm building something new on this earth. You may want not want it, mm-hmm. but you got it. Yeah. Uh, deal with it. And yeah. I, th- I think God does that in a lot of ways. And I think God still does that. Yeah. Problem is we don't have, uh, we, we have Jesus, but we don't have a physical teacher to say and this is exactly what's happening mm-hmm. um yeah. a problem but I, I often wonder you know it's easy for us to look it's not easy but it's more doable for us to look back at the events of the past like emancipation mm-hmm. or if we want to go even further like the institution of slavery and and see looking back well god was against this therefore god was working on this all along but it's so much harder to see the mustard seeds slash kudzu in our lives. Mm-hmm. What is the kingdom doing today? What is mm-hmm. God trying to build today? And I feel like 2020 should have woken some people up to that, mm-hmm. but I don't know. And I'm including myself in that. Yeah. I don't know how willing we are to see mm-hmm. what God is still doing mm-hmm. and how, how willing we are to see the kudzu in our lives as the shelter or the refuge for others. Yeah. And I struggle with that mightily. Absolutely. I, uh, I, <clears throat> I was at a church in Atlanta for about 10 years and the, and the co-pastor and, and myself, uh, when we were down about something, when we were prideful about something, when we were happy about something, when we were angry about something, we used to call each other and say, um, well, when we were dark in, in, during some dark days, we used to call each other and say, man, uh, I want to share the gospel with you. <laughs> now we were already believers, right? But we like in an in an elementary way, we would talk about um, um, God had a son, and God's son gave his life. You know, and we would t- we would walk through the gospel, the life of the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, his death, the burial, the resurrection. We would talk about themes like forgiveness and grace and sacrifice and. And, and, and we would talk love and favor. We would just simply share the gospel with each other, um, process it together and let that root out, <laughs> you know, some of the things, some of the feelings, some of the thoughts, some of the thoughts that we had. And, uh, and, and even as far as I know, I am the first African-American to be appointed in the Smoky Mountain District. Certainly the first African-American pastor at 
Franklin and at uh, Snow Hill and Iola. And what's interesting that my, my background is, I mean, I, I've served in a non-denominational church. I've served in um, Baptist churches, um, churches, Church of God, Churches of God in Christ. <laughs> um, and so uh, in a Presbyterian seminary, you know, for, <laughs> for goodness sake. And, um, <laughs> and I've learned Methodism. I've learned the theology. Um, I've learned um, the church life. And I kind of view myself, guys, as an evangelist to Snow Hill and Iola um, to reintroduce again the gospel, to reintroduce to them their own theology, um, and to see what this kingdom seed does. Um, I have, it's been interesting to preach, you know, um, during the Trump era as, as, a, as a Black pastor there. Um, but I've had the opportunity to preach the gospel and to see what it does. <laughs> that doesn't mean that I haven't had difficult conversations and use challenging languages over the pulpit, but I've had an opportunity to sow the kingdom and re-sow the kingdom and, and, and see what it does. And I say that because um, Jesus was probably talking to some religious people. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, and but here he is uh, reintroducing God to them. and. Uh, you know, I kind of see my work the same way. And I kind of see um, the worship service on June 19th, the celebration on June 19th. The way I try to live is kind of, you know, introducing the kingdom and seeing what it does. <laughs> One of the challenges that we have, and it comes in two ways that I can see, is when it comes to seeing the gospel, is that we get used to it. And this is the first part of it. We have what's called embedded theology. This mm -hmm. is stuff we grew up with, mm -hmm. the stuff that has just always been in our lives. And those are the hardest things to get rid of. Some of it's fine. Mm -hmm. And some of it is just God awful. Um, but we carry it around with us. And we feel like if we get rid of that and allow room for something else, then we're, then mm -hmm. we're insulting the memory of whatever relative or respected person gave it to us whether it's wrong or not yeah but the and, and we we carry that around and so it makes it hard for us to see the gospel through the eyes of another person or even ourselves at a different stage of life mm -hmm. the other <laughs> thing is mm -hmm. that like peter said earlier uh the church is so segregated self-segregated mm -hmm. and sadly unless we make concentrated efforts to change that that's not going to change because that's we've right. chosen to surround ourselves on Sundays with people that look like us. Absolutely. Not we in this room, but our congregations. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you have been able to give to these congregations is a different voice for those who can't or won't or what like, okay, Peter and I, we have an appointment every Sunday. It's hard mm -hmm. for us to go and hear a different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but for, others who might want to do so if you can't go somewhere else on sunday first of all you can facebook live or zoom pretty much any converse any congregation you want to now so you can get your church on monday after your church on sunday plenty of people do that but if you want to read there's a book called stony the road we trod it's by kane felder he's the editor it's actually a collection of different authors my personal favorite is my favorite uh, new testament author slash professor from the African-American community, Clarice J. Martin. But anyway, it is essentially 
a way that you can read the African-American biblical interpretations, what the book says. If you want to hear an African-American voice on the gospel, it's an excellent book, and I highly recommend it. Again, it's called Stony the Road We Trod by Kane Hope Felder. He's the editor. It's, it's like theological nerd stuff like I like to read, but it's really good. It's changed the way I see the gospel in numerous ways. Uh, many people, for instance, read Exodus. Sorry. Many white people read the book of Exodus and they're like, well, this isn't the gospel. There's no Jesus in it. Read it again. Okay. It is absolutely the gospel. And there, the name Jesus may not show up, but if you don't see Jesus in it, you're crazy. So anyway, just, just a recommendation. Let me jump on to that invitation to, to hear the, uh, the African-American perspective on the gospel by encouraging all of our listeners to please attend this uh, Juneteenth celebration if you're in the area, to come out on uh, Saturday, June, um, June 19th to Lake Junaluska. And if you're, if you're familiar with the area, it's that, it's that open gymnasium where it's, it's covered, but it's got the basketball uh, hoops there and there's a big grassy field around it. So that's where, uh, that's where we'll be on on saturday june 19th and also an open invitation for anybody from my congregation who's listening if you would like to take a sunday off and go to uh, the local african methodist episcopal zion church and hear a sermon by uh reverend billy with well, I think that's a good recommend. I think that's a good thing uh, to do. When, when I have a vacation that that I come back a day early, like, and then there's a Sunday off, I go to Harris Chapel. Yeah. I, I love me some Billy <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, DeAndre, uh, as we close, any final thoughts or reflections or uh, recommendations for us? Any more clarifying details you want to give about the Juneteenth celebration? Well, again, it's, uh, it's uh, Saturday, June 19th at 2 p.m. is the worship celebration. Oh, there'll be a storyteller. Her name is Novella Nemo, and uh, she'll, she's going to tell two stories within the worship service, and she's going to um, reenact maybe someone who was, uh, who's, who was freed on Juneteenth, and so that's going uh, to be wonderful. And at 3 p.m., we're just going to celebrate, you know, have fun, eat food, um, dance, and just uh, enjoy one another's company. And let, and it's a, it's a, it's a child-friendly event, and uh, there'll be moonwalks for, uh, for young folks, and it's, it's for everybody. So I hope to see, see folks there a, this, I hate to have to ask the question, but is there a certain COVID protocol is going to be in place or not, or what? Yeah, we're, we're, it's, it's an outside event, and so, um, you know, um, uh, so, uh, and the uh, the seating the seating is going to be space, and so we're going to ask for folks who come together to to sit together, right? In the uh, under the uh, under the covered covered pavilion, and the seats will be organized in a way that that you'll have uh, that will accommodate families or individuals to be able to sit with the party that they came with. Okay, thank you. I, it's it's terrible that I have to ask that question, but no, I'd yeah, rather people be prepared. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. I love that. Uh, tradition that you shared with us where, from your church planting days of just sharing the gospel mm -hmm. with one another. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the gospel is a story. And when we retell the story, we, we, we always learn something new. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing this storyteller, Novella Nimmo, and uh, 
and, and helping and, and maybe using that as a way to inspire my understanding of the gospel. Absolutely. So uh, thanks so much, DeAndre, for, for being with us today, for sharing. Absolutely. And, uh, Thank you. For sharing your story and for Thank sharing you. this story with us. Thank you. And blessings on your ministry. Blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you. One thing before we leave, and that is sure, sure. that um, this is to the listener, but DeAndre, if you want to uh, listen to this, you're certainly welcome to. Or if you want to sure. come back in next week again and, and, and join us in this discussion, we'd love to have you. But I will be interviewing Peter and Reverend Gordon Pike on Revelation next week. So if you're one of those people that just gets all jazzed up by the book of Revelation, or at least what you think is the book of Revelation, then please join us next week. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for coming in or logging on, DeAndre. It's been good to talk to you. I actually had to miss it the last time we had yeah. you on the program. Peter handled that himself. I can't remember where I was. But anyway, I think I was out of town. It was at a convention. But e either way, I'm glad to have you with us. And for Pastor Potluck, I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantian. And we've been talking today with DeAndre Ash and have been blessed by the conversation. And I hope you were too. Peace. Peace. Mm -hmm.